Medical cannabis. Who knew that a plant could be the cause of so much controversy, discovery, and insight? Whether you're well-versed in the science of the endocannabinoid system, CBD, THC, and terpenes, or whether you're a skeptic curious to learn more about the real-world experiences of medical professionals and patients, we all have unanswered questions about what cannabis does, how it works, and whether it's a safe and effective medical treatment for a myriad of different health conditions. That's why each week on the Cannabis Friendly Guide to Wellness podcast, we'll talk with Dr. Joe Cohen, founder of Holos Health, a medical cannabis expert who over the past 10 years has treated over 25,000 patients with medical cannabis. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Amy Silverman. Today's episode is about insomnia. We'll talk with Dr. Cohen about his experience as a physician in treating sleep issues using medical cannabis. Hi, Dr. Cohen. How you doing, Amy? I'm good. It's good to see you. Good to see you too. Good. Good. So I am excited to talk to you today. We're going to be talking about cannabis and how it can be used to help treat insomnia, anxiety, and depression, which is pretty amazing that one plant can help all of these different conditions. Especially nowadays uh, with everything that's been going on with people in isolation, not having the human contact they normally have, possibly being out of work, uh, a lot of worries about their health, their family, their jobs, everything that's going on. I think we can really uh, consider cannabis to be uh, a pretty amazing treatment for many, many conditions that people are experiencing right now. What is, where does someone start, you know, if they're new to cannabis and, and they, they have issues falling asleep or staying asleep, um, where, where do you go in terms of looking at this class? So even though uh, insomnia, insomnia has not been a condition that the state of Colorado allows us to use to get a medical card, we've been treating insomnia along with a variety of different conditions that pay over the last 10 years as we've been seeing patients. So we have a ton of experience using cannabis and a variety of different forms uh, to treat uh, insomnia. So um, we'll start with uh, questions. Um, we'll ask. Uh, we'll ask you as a patient: Do you have trouble falling asleep, or do you have trouble staying asleep? What is your issue around asleep? Um, there may be anxiety issues going on, which prevent you from sleeping, or your mind is spinning because you're so anxious. So we may treat that differently than, uh, more traditional insomnia issues that people may have. So we'll get into different ways to use it for insomnia first. Uh, so depending on whether you have issues staying asleep or falling asleep will depend on the delivery method you want to use. So let's start with uh, difficulty falling asleep. And some people may have issues with both, falling asleep and staying asleep. Uh, and then we're gonna also address uh, whether you feel okay with some psychoactivity that you get from THC or not. There's different components of this plant that you can use to help you sleep that may not even have uh, THC in it. 
So we'll we'll get into that as well, depending on who you are and your thoughts about this uh, plant medicine. Okay, sounds good. So, so I get, yeah. So let's talk about falling asleep first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> number one um, is that if you have difficulty falling asleep, you need something that's gonna be fast acting. Right. And there are a variety of different ways you can take cannabis. You can inhale, which is your fast-acting result. It's fast-acting and short-acting. When you inhale uh, anything with cannabis, uh, whether it be uh, flower or bud or whether it be concentrates, whenever you're inhaling, basically you get uh, an immediate response. Uh, within a couple of minutes, you're going to already start to feel the effect. Mm -hmm. However, you have to realize that uh, when it comes to this plant medicine, uh, sometimes it's the metabolites of THC. Let's say you're, you're buying indica dominant strain. Indica means these are strains that are more effective for pain, for sleep, and for uh, relaxation. I, they call it indica couch uh, because yeah. you're kind of... <laughs> Just kind of hanging there, uh, yep. not doing much of anything. But indica dominant strains, because of what we call terpenes that are associated with the, the parts of the plant, the terpenes in indica tend to enable the cannabis plant to allow you to sleep, the THC. So different, uh, whereas sativa dominant plants are more daytime awake alert creative. So you want to find an indica dominant strain that you would inhale uh, for bed. It may, you may not fall asleep right away. What may happen to you is that you actually will uh, get high for a period of time and then the metabolites, the breakdown products of THC will hit you and then you'll fall asleep. So there's a variable amount of time, uh, and this is your own experiment. There's a variable amount of time that it may take for you to fall asleep using inhalation of an indica dominant strain. And that's a THC effect that'll help you sleep. That can, you may fall asleep uh, fairly quickly or it may take up to an hour before those metabolites hit to put you asleep. So you're gonna have to judge yourself timing experiment, in other words, to see how long after you inhale, uh, you need to uh, inhale in order to fall asleep, in other words. That makes sense. Uh, so inhalation is your fast acting, but it's short acting. So short acting uh, is fine if you're just having difficulty falling asleep, but it's not fine if you're waking up in the middle of the night or after a couple of hours. Right. So that's when doing something a little bit more long acting would come into play. And this is when we recommend something that you would ingest. It could be a capsule, a tablet, a gummy, a brownie, any form of edible that has to go through your GI tract. When it goes through your GI tract, it's a, it's a, a delayed response. Mm -hmm. It can take up to about an hour sometimes before you have that effect. Uh, but it's also a prolonged response where it can last six to eight hours. So basically, if your difficulty is in staying asleep, then you want to go towards an ingestible form that has to go through your GI tract and pass through your liver. Uh, and when that happens, you get uh, a different type of effect that could be uh, much longer acting as well. So when you're 
looking at staying asleep, you may want to take something um, right around bedtime. If you trouble, if you don't have a problem falling asleep, you can just take an ingestible form, an edible form, at bedtime, and and then hopefully you'll uh, stay asleep for the night after it kicks in in about an hour. For those, however, who have a problem with both st- uh, falling asleep and staying asleep, there's two different ways you can go with that. One method would be to inhale. Uh, sometime before bed, that predetermined time period that you have to experiment with. And then right when you're ready to doze off, you have a little something that you can uh, ingest. Again, tablet, capsule, edible form that Mm -hmm. has to pass through your GI tract. And that will kick in in about an hour. So what you inhaled, uh, say a half hour to an hour before you went to sleep, will be gone in about two hours, and then the other will kick in and keep you asleep for the night. So you can do a combination of both. Okay, that makes sense. So many questions, though. I have so many questions for you. Okay, the first question is, when you're talking about inhalation, um, could you be a little more specific in terms of, are you talking about smoking? Are you talking about portable vaporizers, the disposable vape pens? Um, what is the, what's the best method? Best method is vaporizing flour, but using a portable flour vaporizer, or if you have a plug-in model, uh, you can always use that uh, right uh, before bed. Portability is always nice, though. And that's the safest um, when you're talking about inhalation. The safest. Yes, when when you're uh inhaling especially now during times of covid where we have a virus that can attack our respiratory system it's going to be much better to vaporize than it is to smoke Mm -hmm. and it's going to be much better to vaporize the butter the flour than it is to vaporize the concentrates or the oil Uh, when you vaporize concentrates or oil what happens is it's really caustic to the lungs and there's really not good temperature control on those devices. Whereas with a flour vaporizer, uh, you usually will have temperature control so that you can make it comfortable for yourself. And you're not gonna get the carcinogens, the cough and the congestion and the things that would be irritating when you're trying to fall asleep. Uh, You don't wanna have all this congestion. I know congestion drives me crazy at night. Mm -hmm. I don't like to be congested. And if I were to try inhaling something with smoke, I know I'm going to be congested. Yeah. Uh, so your lungs and your sinuses and your throat yeah. And all that. Yeah. So flower va- flower vaporizers uh, number one. Okay, method. that makes sense. I've had patients, you know, who are in their fifties and their kids come and say, "Oh, wait, they recommended that you vaporize a, like a vape pen," you know, and they're thinking about the oils, and the kids are advising their parents not to use the vape pens because of the vaping lung inner injury that happened earlier this year and now because of the whole COVID thing. So I think it's very, it's really interesting to see so how this is kind of the education has trickled down to the younger generation in a, in a lot of ways. Um, and that, that makes a lot of sense. I guess the only thing that might be difficult when you're getting started is that it is kind of an investment. If you're going to, if you don't already have a flower vaporizer, then you're not, you're not going to just find one around you know, at the store for $15, right? It's like, you have to, right. you have to spend at least a hundred dollars, I think, 
to get a really good flower vaporizer, meaning one that's not going to break like within a month or two of having it. Yeah. And, and some really good quality vaporizers are 150 to $200. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it is an expense that you have to consider and you may have to try just uh, smoking something to see if it works uh, mm-hmm. uh, to help you sleep before you invest in a vaporizer. That's a personal choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, so so for people who are really new to cannabis, um, we we advise that they they start with a low dose and go slow. But what does that really mean when you're talking about either inhalation or an edible? Like when you go to the dispensary here, the bud tender will tell you that a single dose is 10 milligrams of THC, which there, there's not a whole lot of science behind why that is a single dose. And a lot of people, that's not going to work for them. So how does how do you figure out what you should start with? So if you're doing uh, an ingestible form uh, so you can stay asleep during the night, you want to start out with a very low dose depending on your experience with cannabis. And you also have to realize when you first do this, the first one or two doses, you may have to wake up your cannabinoid receptors and you may not have an effect. So you don't want to jump up right away from a low dose because it didn't work the first time. Give it a couple of nights of a low dose before on the third night you increase that dose. So uh, basically what I would recommend for newbies, uh, people who are really new to cannabis and are concerned about too much psychoactivity, mm-hmm. and this is a lot of our elder patients, people my age. Um, so you, you, you would start out say a two and a half milligram dose. Um, now on the medical side, very often there, there could be 20 milligrams of of a THC in say a gummy or whatever one, you're using could one be, serving right tiny little gummy bear right so if you're using a gummy as an example you would want to cut that into eighths right if it's a 20 milligram dose so you just have to decide uh, what your uh, what your dose is going to be and that's trial and error starting about two and a half milligrams and working your way up if you have a lot of experience with cannabis you've already been using it, you've already been using edibles, you already know what your dose is, then you've got a uh, significant leeway on going right to a higher dose because uh, you already have experience with it. Or people use cannabis on a regular basis, uh, you're going to find that they're going to have a certain amount of experience with it mm-hmm. and uh, you can go right to a higher dose. Yeah, that leads me to another question. So the idea that cannabis is somehow um, addictive, meaning that once you start using it, are you going to have to continue to increase your dose like for sleep? Let's say you find that you know you can take a five milligram dose and you get a great night's sleep. Is that going to be something that you're going to have to keep increasing like sometimes you do with other types of medications that are used for sleep where after, I don't know, a month or two, suddenly, you know, that... Um, Clonopin, half milligram clonopin, or whatever you're taking doesn't work anymore, and you have to take more. Is it the same in your experience with cannabis? So that's first of all, that wouldn't be addiction; that would be tolerance. Tolerance, um, yes. right? Tolerance, uh, yes. Right, tolerance. It would be the issue where, yes, when you're using cannabis over a period of time, 
uh, you may start having issues where your tolerance goes up and you need to take more. That's okay. Okay. But if you find if you find that your tolerance keeps increasing, and instead of using that two and a half milligram or five milligram or whatever your normal dose would be, uh, that you're up to now 20, 30, whatever milligrams, then it's time for what we call a tolerance break. Okay. Where you you just stop using cannabis for a period of a few days, uh, let your receptors which are uh, where this is attaching to, let your receptors come back to normal so that your tolerance gets back to a normal level. Uh, so you can always take a tolerance break if you feel you're going up and up and up. But addiction is, is far, far less likely where uh, when you're using uh, benzodiazepine uh, drugs, uh, even things like Ambien, uh, which is similar to a benzo, uh, when you're using these drugs, yes, you can become addicted to them. And so what's the difference? What's the difference between dependence and then the addiction and the tolerance piece? Like, how does that all kind of fit together? Well, uh, when you're talking about uh, dependences or or addiction, you're talking about the potential of withdrawal effects. Uh, that could be mood changes. It could be physical addiction. Um, uh, you can have an increase in anxiety and other issues when you stop. Mm -hmm. So it could be a variety of different ways it can show up with either physical or psychological issues when you uh, stop using the medicine. This is what happens with benzodiazepines, mm -hmm. uh, very commonly used for anxiety and for sleep. And when you're uh, taking a benzodiazepine and you've been taking it for a period of a few months, you're addicted to that drug. And you just can't stop it. You can just stop cannabis at any time. That's a really, really important point that I wanted to ask you even more questions about because we have a lot of people who are taking these sleep aids like benzodiazepines or Ambien and they take them for extended periods of time. And is it realistic to think that they could transition to using cannabis and, and you know, the... Is it safe for them to, would they add cannabis to what they're doing? What, what do you recommend if they're in that situation? Yeah, you would add cannabis to what you're using and then you would talk to your prescribing physician, mm -hmm. uh, practitioner, wh whoever's giving you that medicine Perfect. is the person you should talk to about weaning off that medicine. You can't just stop it, right? No. Yeah. If you're taking, if you're taking a benzodiazepine, you cannot just stop that medicine. Right. If it's a um, right. You, you have to wean slowly over time. Otherwise, the withdrawal effects can be really significant and very difficult. Mm -hmm. so cannabis will also help you with the weaning process because it'll actually reduce the withdrawal symptoms that you get from these medicines uh, that you would be taking. So it has a dual effect, decreasing withdrawals as you're weaning off those drugs while helping you sleep while you're weaning off those drugs. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Well, we'll have to talk more about that, um, the, how the effects of cannabis can help you uh, prevent the withdrawals um, from some of these other medications like benzodiazepines. Yeah. It's a, it's and what a, we'd love to dive into more. What I'd like to add is CBN uh, before we leave sleep. 
CBN or what's what's known as cannabinol uh, is uh, we call it CBN, and it's a it, what it is. It's a it's a breakdown product of uh, THC. When THC gets oxidized, is exposed to the elements, including oxygen. Uh, when it gets oxidized, it breaks down into CBN uh, in time with exposure. And that's what CBN is. So you can actually purchase CBN. Uh, there are different products out there. Um, we're actually looking to produce a, a product here in the next month or so, uh, which is a CBN intensive made from hemp, which is legal. So you can get CBN without even having a medical card uh, from a hemp-based product. And that CBN will not get you high and it can come in a tincture form, as an example, and it can put you to sleep. Uh, so you can use something like that to sleep at night as well for those who do not want to have the psychoactivity, are uncomfortable with THC, or would just prefer trying to CBN and see which works better, THC in an indica-dominant strain or CBN in a tincture form. Hmm. And you could use both potentially too. You yeah. can use both potentially as well, yes. Well, thank you for sharing all of this. We, I, we're, we were intending to do anxiety and depression during this episode, but I think that we have so much information on insomnia and how to use cannabis to treat insomnia that we might have to just have another episode where we talk to you about anxiety and depression. That sounds good. Let's just go ahead and we'll just tape as many episodes as we can. And then you guys out there who want to learn about sleep and then want to also learn about anxiety and then want to learn about that along with depression, uh, that will be in our next episode. All right. Well, thanks, Dr. Cohen. I look forward to talking to you more later on today. Great. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate your feedback. So if you liked what you heard, please subscribe, leave a comment, or if you want more information, you can find us online at www.holoshealth.org. That's Holos, H-O-L-O-S, health, H-E-A-L-T-H.org. Thanks. See you next episode.